All right. Go ahead and turn in your Bibles to 1 Kings chapter 18. 1 Kings chapter 18. We're going to look at a story uh, in the life of Elijah this morning. So 1 Kings chapter 18. <clears throat> now, I, uh, <clears throat> there's a chance that I could just... Uh, pass out and fall asleep up here. Last week's been kind of busy for us, and yesterday we had uh, my brother Zach's graduation party, so um, that was a lot of fun, but also can wear you out. Um, and if you uh, maybe weren't able to get him some kind of gift or a card or something, and you know you still wanted to get him that, you can either give me the cash or make the check out to me. I'll make sure to pass that, out, pass that on to him, make sure he gets that. So uh, but again, this morning we're going to be uh, in the book of First Kings and looking at a, a story of Elijah's life. Um, <clears throat> this is one that uh, I think is maybe one of the more famous stories related to Elijah. When we think about Elijah, this might be one of the ones that we kind of remember more so than others. Um, but what he kind of goes through after this and what we're going to be looking really into this morning is I think something that a lot of us can really relate to. So first of all, we're going to start in First uh, Kings chapter 18. Uh, And we're going to read verses 21 through 39. So let's go. 1 Kings chapter 18, verses 21 through 39. It says there, And Elijah came unto all the people and said, How long halt ye between two opinions? If the Lord be God, follow him. But if Baal, then follow him. And the people answered him not a word. Then said Elijah unto the people, I, even I, only remain a prophet of the Lord. But Baal's prophets are 450 men. Let them therefore give us two bullocks, and let them choose one bullock for themselves, and cut it into pieces, and lay it on wood, and put no fire under. And I will dress the other bullock, and lay it on wood, and put no fire under. And call ye on the name of your gods, and I will call on the name of the Lord. And the God that answereth by fire, let him be God. And all the people answered and said, It is well spoken. And Elijah said unto the prophets of Baal, Choose you one bullock for yourselves, and dress it first. For ye are many, and call it, and call on the name of your gods, but put no fire under. <clears throat> and they took the bullock which was given them, and they dressed it and called in the name of Baal from morning even until noon, saying, O Baal, hear us. But there was no voice, nor any that answered. And they leaped upon the altar which was made, and it came to pass at noon that Elijah mocked them and said, Cry aloud, for he is a god. Either he is talking, or he is per- pursuing, or he is in a journey. Or peradventure he sleepeth and must be awakened. Now, this is something, you know, God's using Elijah. He's, he's calling him to go do this. Uh, I don't know that God necessarily told him to go make fun of these guys, but he's kind of having fun at their expense here for a little bit. Um, verse 28 says, And they cried aloud and cut themselves after their manner with knives and lancets, till the blood gushed out upon them. And it came to pass when midday was past. And they prophesied until the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice that there was neither voice nor any to answer, nor any that regarded. And Elijah said unto all the people, Come near unto me. And all the people came near unto him. And he repaired the altar of the Lord that was broken down. And Elijah took twelve stones according to the number of the tribes of the sons of Jacob, unto whom the word of the Lord came, saying, Israel shall be thy name. And with the stones he built an altar in the name of the Lord, and he made a trench about the altar, as great as wood contained two measures of seed. And he put the wood in order, and cut the bullock in pieces, and laid him on the wood, and said, Fill four barrels with water, and pour it on the burnt sacrifice and on the wood. And he said, Do it to the second 
do it the second time. And they did it the second time. And he said, do it the third time. And they did it the third time. And the water ran around the altar, and he filled the, the trench also with water. So now he, he's, he started out by mocking the prophets of Baal, making fun of them because nothing's happening. And now it's his turn, and he's getting kind of arrogant, right? He's, he's wanting to show off. So it would be kind of funny if God, you know, just to teach him a lesson, wouldn't do something just to kind of calm his ego down. Uh, but we, we continue reading verse 36. And it came to pass at the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice that Elijah the prophet came near and said, Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and of Israel, let it be known this day that thou art God in Israel, and that I am thy servant, and that I have done all these things at thy word. Hear me, O Lord, hear me, that this people may know that thou art the Lord God, and that thou hast turned their heart back again. Then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt sacrifice and the wood and the stones and the dust, and licked up the water that was in the trench. And when all the people saw it, they fell on their faces, and they said, The Lord, he is the God. The Lord, he is the God. Let's go ahead and pray one more time before we go ahead and, and get into the notes this morning. Dear God, I thank you uh, once again for this morning, for again bringing us here, and uh, for, uh, for giving me uh, this passage to kind of to, to go into so that we can look at it and maybe pull some encouragement out of the life of Elijah. And so I just pray that as we go throughout this morning that we find, and maybe that you would help reveal to us different ways in our lives that this would apply, uh, that we can take it with us today and begin to live it out as we leave here today. So again, I pray that you'd be with us this morning. Uh, speak your words through me, God, and I pray everything in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so uh, here we have, uh, like I said, this is one of the more familiar stories in Elijah's life, right? He's having this head-to-head -head battle with all these prophets of Baal. Right? They're out on the mountain, and it's kind of come down to this. And he opens up talking to the people, saying, Listen, we're going to do these, we're going to put, put these offerings out, we're going to appeal to each people's God, and we're going to see what happens. All right? So basically, Elijah's like, Listen, I'm just going to put it out there. You're going to see the evidence. You can take the evidence for what you see it to be, and then we'll see who the, who the real God is. So again, like I said, this is a well known story of Elijah. Um, as we read through this passage, we see that even though the odds were stacked against him, right, we were able to see how many uh, prophets of Baal were there, and it was just Elijah. So even though the odds were stacked against him, it ended up being no contest, and in fact, God's power was on display. We looked and we saw how, how much water he ended up pour, putting over the, the altar, and it says that everything was consumed in fire, and the fire even uh, licked up the water. So there wasn't even anything left. The whole thing was, was completely dry. Um, so God's power was on display. As a result, we see in verse 39 at the end of the passage we just read uh, that everyone who was in attendance fell on their faces and proclaimed, the Lord, he is God. So again, they were all there kind of watching. They saw what was happening. They saw that these prophets of Baal, they were really, really struggling. Nothing was happening. They were resorting to the most crazy things you could think of. They were jumping on the altar themselves. They were cutting themselves. They were doing whatever they thought they had to do in order to get Baal to answer them and, and to, to light this altar on fire. And then Elijah, again, he's kind of, you know, he could have just called fire down from heaven through God without dousing the whole altar in water. And it still would have been amazing because the other guys didn't get anything. Um, but he decides to, to, to douse the whole thing in fire. It's completely soaked, completely drenched, and God was still able to light it on fire. And again, his, his power was on display. So we see here that God, he did something really great, right? And he, we see that he received glory from that in verse 39. Um, so put yourself in Elijah's shoes. This is something that, that, that you're experiencing firsthand from the standpoint of Elijah. He had to be on quite a spiritual high, right? Because he's able to see how much God was able to do. 
And I wonder if Elijah, as he's having these guys pour more and more water. Wait, we see that three different times. He says, do it again. Pour some more water on. I wonder if as he's doing it, he goes, man, this better work. You know, because if this doesn't work, then I look like a fool. These guys, they're already jumping on the altar, cutting themselves. I said, well, let's dump water on it. And then if he doesn't show up, uh, this is going to be pretty bad for me. But I, really what I think is happening here is Elijah, he's, he's just, he has faith that God is going to do it, right? And, and maybe, maybe even having the water poured on it was part of his, his prideful side thinking, uh, well, let's really show him something, God, right? Because God would have been able to, to show himself to these people even if Elijah wasn't there. But really, God's power was on display. Elijah got to see God do this amazing thing. And so he was probably on this amazing spiritual high. And so I think a lot of us can really think of different times in our lives, uh, maybe when we've seen God do something great, or maybe uh, we find ourselves at a point in our life where we feel probably the closest we've ever felt to God. You know, we're, we're spending time in, word, in the Word with Him, spending time in prayer. Uh, we're serving Him in different ministries, whatever it might be. We're, we've gotten to that point where we really feel like we're as close as we possibly can be to God, and we're really getting fi- filled up. Um, I know that there's, there's a couple examples that come to mind when I think of something like that, where I really feel like God is really right there. I feel as close to him as possible. Uh, one of them would be church camp. If you've ever had the chance to go to church camp or maybe uh, like some kind of conference or maybe you were able to be part of some kind of revival, as you're going through that, there's just, I think part of it is because you're away from the normal, right? You're out of your ordinary routine and your entire focus is on God. Like specifically with church camp. Now, uh, you know, when we, when I was in high school and we were in church camp, we definitely had a lot of fun as well. There was plenty of things that that, that we did uh, that we all agreed that we wouldn't talk about. You know, things that happened in the cabin. Uh, you know, even the girls that were there with us in their cabin. We, when we got together for lunch, we weren't going to tell them what was going on in the cabin. Uh, I saw Rick was here this morning. Rick knows a couple different things. Um, but he's been sworn to secrecy too, so don't even bother trying to ask him what was going on. Uh, but you know, th- there's all that fun going on, but uh, one thing that I really liked a lot about when we would go to camp was the last night that we were there, uh, our youth group, we would spend literally hours. So like after all the, the things that were scheduled for everybody was done for the evening and it was okay, you can go back to your cabins. Our youth group, we would go somewhere kind of private in, on the camp and we would spend literally hours, everybody would be going around talking about how God had been working in their life throughout the week. Uh, we would have worship. We would be singing some songs. You know, maybe there'd be a lull. Some, not, some people maybe aren't talking for a little while. We sing a couple songs, and then some people are feeling more willing to share. Um, and even people that you wouldn't think would be talking and sharing things, you know, people that were normally quiet the whole time, they were sharing things. And that, to me, um, and I'm sure if you were to ask other people that were there, that was probably the height of the week, spiritually speaking, because we've had all these, these uh, services that we've gone to multiple times a day throughout the whole week, and we were definitely on a spiritual high. And we've all talked about, and, and Pastor John's even talked about it before, about how, you know, when you get back home from camp, you're on fire. You're all excited about what happened this week. You want to share and tell people about it. And maybe for a couple of weeks, like, you're still at that high level, right? But eventually you get back in your normal routine. Uh, you realize that real life isn't like church camp, right? Uh, you have all these other different distractions and you kind of come down, okay? And so you have this real, this real spiritual high that you're experiencing. Um, and, and then you get back to normal life and something happens that maybe we weren't ready for. 
All right, so suddenly we forget what we just experienced because this is what's in front of us right now. Something horrible has happened or maybe just more distractions are there and we're able to forget what we just experienced last week or the week before, whenever it was. Or maybe it wasn't something like that. Maybe again, like I said, you just feel like in your life right now, you're walking really close with God, things are going great in your relationship with him and then something happens, something distracts us. Um, so now we go ahead in Elijah's story here, right? This amazing thing just happened. We saw all these people fall on their faces after what just happened and they worshiped God. They proclaimed him as the one true God. But let's go ahead and jump into First uh, Kings chapter 19. And we're going to read a little bit further into Elijah's story this morning. So First Kings chapter 19. We're going to start in verse, chapter, or verse 1. It says, And Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done, and withal how he had slain all the prophets with the sword. Then Jezebel sent a messenger unto Elijah, saying, So let the gods do to me, and more also, if I make not thy life as the life of one of them by, the, by tomorrow about this time. So basically, a little, little background. Ahab's the king of Israel this time. Jezebel is his wife, and she is... She's a pretty mean lady, all right? She's, she's pretty evil and wicked, and Elijah is, she's not the biggest fan of Elijah. She does not like him. And she finds out what happened because after this happened in 1 Kings 18, he had people kill the prophets of Baal that were there. And so she hears about it. Her, her husband tells her, this is what Elijah did. This is what happened. And so now she's telling him in verse 2, listen, if I'm not able to kill you and do to you what you did to them by tomorrow, let that same thing happen to me. So she's basically saying, I'm going to do everything that I can in my power, send as many people after you to make sure that you're dead. Um, and she's really kind of almost putting her life on the line, saying, let that happen to me if I'm not able to succeed by tomorrow. All right, so verse 3, it says, And when he saw that, he arose and went for his life and came to Beersheba, which belonged to Judah, and left his servant there. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat under a juniper tree. And he requested for himself that he might die, and said, It is enough now, O Lord. Take away my life, for I am not better than my father's. And as he lay and slept under a juniper tree, behold, then an angel touched him and said unto him, Arise and eat. And he looked, and behold, there was a cake bacon in the coals and a cruise of water at his head. And he did eat and drink and laid him down again. And the angel of the Lord came again the second time and touched him and said, Arise and eat, because the journey is too great for thee. And he arose and did eat and drink and went in the strength of that meat for 40 days and 40 nights unto Horeb, the mount of God. And he came thither unto a cave and lodged there. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him and he said unto him, What dost thou hear, Elijah? And he said, I have been very jealous for the Lord God of hosts. For the children of Israel have forsaken thy covenant, thrown down thine altars, and slain thy prophets with the sword. And I, even I only, am left. And they seek my life to take it away. And he said, Go forth and stand upon the mount before the Lord. And behold, the, the Lord passed by, and a great and strong wind rent the mountains and break it in pieces, the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a still small voice. And it was so when Elijah heard it, that he wrapped his face in his mantle and went out and stood in the entering in of the cave. And behold, there came a voice unto him and said, What dost thou hear, Elijah? And he said, I have been very jealous for the Lord God of hosts, because the children of Israel have forsaken thy covenant, 
thrown down thine altars, and slain thy prophets with the sword. And I, even I, only am left, and they they seek my life to take it away. And the Lord said unto him, Go, return, and thy way to the wilderness of Damascus. And when thou comest, anoint Hazel to be king over Syria. And let's jump down to verse 18 real quick. It says, Yet I have left 7,000 in Israel, all the knees which have not bowed unto Baal, and every mouth which hath not kissed him. All right, so this is where life really knocks down Elijah, right? The point where Jezebel sends a, a lot of people out to kill Elijah after what had just happened. So life has really knocked him down, and, and that kind of happens to us, right? Like we said before, we come back from that spiritual high, whatever it was that our spiritual high was, and life gets in the way, our routine, we get back into our routine and we get distracted, or maybe some form of tragedy happens and we're able to lose focus on, on what God has just done, right? Think about literally just a couple days before, Elijah was able to see what God did, and as a result, everyone who was there bowed down to their faces, fell on their faces, and praised God. But as we read through here, two different times he says that it's just me left. I'm the only one here. So we, obviously he's no longer on a spiritual high. He's running for his life. And us, we, like I said, we go back to our normal life. We're reminded that life isn't always like church camp or isn't always going to be great, right? Uh, it's kind of cool how some of the, the, the songs that we did this morning, the scripture that Renee read, the song that Bella sang, they all kind of fit in this idea of giving ourselves to God, uh, trusting in him completely, understanding that things aren't always going to be great, right? And then even uh, one of the songs that we were able to sing together today, uh, The Lion and the Lamb, talking about how he's going to fight our battles. And what's really cool about that is we were supposed to sing that last week, right? But we had our power issues and we weren't able to finish our songs, so it got moved to this week. But God was able to use that so it can go right in with what we're talking about today. Um, but again, so when we get back into life, when things happen, when, when things go wrong, it's not easy to keep our focus on God. Right? So again, maybe something bad happens, tragedy, something that we rely on in our life is no longer there. Right? That's something that Pastor John has talked about over the last several weeks, talking about uh, finances aren't always going to be there. If we're, we're putting all of our trust and our faith in the finances that we have, when those are gone, what do we do? Right? Our foundation is no longer there. Uh, and so we go further into this story. We see starting in verse 4 that Elijah finds himself under the juniper tree. And as we read through uh, what he's dealing with there and what he's telling God and and sharing where he's at, we see, first of all, that Elijah was exhausted, right? He fell down. We see that he's fallen asleep there. Uh, He's ready to quit, right? He says, I'm done, God. Just just take my life. So he's clearly exhausted, right? He's also mentally drained and defeated, uh, could be even really kind of spiritually drained because he was able to see something so great happen and then, so you think, all right, God's doing something great. And then all of a sudden, boom, Jezebel's trying to kill me. I got to get out of here. So, you know, that probably took a, a big hit on him spiritually. But he's mentally drained. He's defeated. And again, he was ready to be done. He said, God, just take my life. I'm ready to be done now. Um, he, he was just sick of everything. Uh, so maybe we can kind of relate to Elijah in one of these areas, right? Maybe we're exhausted. Now, we might not be exhausted the way that he was, you know, with physically traveling as long as he was or going through that amazing experience on top of the mountain only to be knocked off his feet by finding out that Jezebel uh, wants to have him killed. But maybe, maybe there's been somebody in our life that we've been witnessing to, right? God's calling us, asking us to witness to this person. And we've been doing everything we can to witness to them and just something doesn't seem to be connecting, right? They're not really catching on to anything. And maybe we start to think, well, maybe it's something that I'm not doing right, 
right? And when we start to put more of the burden on ourselves, when we're not called to save that person, we're called to share the gospel with people and allow the Holy Spirit to do something. And so <clears throat> maybe we're exhausted in witnessing to people. Maybe we've become exhausted in the ministry that we serve in, right? Maybe we're, we're, we're doing everything over and over every single week, whatever it is the ministry that we're involved in, and we're not seeing the fruits that we think we should see, right? We're not measuring the success of that ministry uh, in God's standard of success. We're thinking of our own personal idea of success. I've mentioned before a couple of times that sometimes, you know, teaching on Wednesday nights with the teens, uh, you can go a couple weeks at a time and feel like, I don't know if they're, they're getting any of it because, you know, teenagers, they just kind of sit there and just stare straight ahead at you or maybe they're just staring straight down at the ground and they won't move for 20 minutes, right? You're not even sure if they're breathing. But, and so they're just kind of staring at you with those blank glassed over eyes and then the next week you come back and you're going over the lesson and then they repeat back to you exactly what was in the outline the week before. You're like, I thought you were completely passed out the whole time. I didn't know you were actually listening. And so sometimes you can be going through that and, you know, I've, been to, I've gotten to points where I'm like, I don't even know if any of this is, is getting to any of them. And then God ends up showing, listen, Things are being done. I'm working on their hearts. But again, that's when I'm measuring the success based on what I can see and, and my idea of a success. So maybe we've gotten to that point of being exhausted in the ministry that we're serving in because, again, we don't know what God's doing in people's hearts. Um, maybe we've been mentally drained or defeated like, like Elijah was, right? He felt completely defeated because he thought, okay, this great thing happened on the mountain. This has to be the turning point. Right? People are really going to start. He saw all those people fall down and worship God. He thought maybe this is going to be the turning point. Maybe this is the sign that Ahab and Jezebel needed to see so that they would turn to God, turn from their wicked ways, and so that the nation can then turn to God. And then it didn't happen. So he's mentally drained. He's defeated. Maybe we've gotten to that point as well. We're just wore out from everything that's going on around us. And it could be physically, right? Like I was saying earlier, over the last week, we've been doing all different kinds of things to get ready for the party yesterday. And, uh, like, once it started, you know, people started showing up. That was, like, the first little bit that we were able to just kind of sit down, right? Me and my cousin were sitting on the front porch. Someone came up, what are you doing here? I'm taking a break, right? You know, we're doing all this crazy work to get everything done. This is we, we built up for. And then next thing you know, it's over, and we got to tear it all down. But no, some, maybe we're physically, like, and not spiritually, but physically drained and really just ready to just, just take a break, right? And maybe, maybe we're just ready to be done, like Elijah was. He was ready to quit what, what his ministry was on this earth. He asked God to take his life. He said, just, let's just get it over with, right? And so maybe we're at that point. We just want to be done serving in this ministry that we're doing. We want to be done witnessing to this person. Nothing seems to be happening that's uh, going nowhere, or maybe even our own personal life with God, right? Our time in prayer, the time that we spend in the Word. Maybe we're ready to just give that up because, God, I'm spending time in prayer. I'm reading through these different passages. I'm praying as I go through these passages, and I'm not getting anything back, right? I've heard somebody say that sometimes it feels like my prayers are just going up, hitting the ceiling, and coming back down, that they're not getting to God's ears. But we know that God is listening that he is going to answer those prayers, and maybe he's not answering the way that we expect him to answer, and maybe that's why we don't know that our prayers have been answered. Uh, I've mentioned before that several years ago we did a men's Bible study on prayer, and one of the things that I really liked from that was it, it made a point of writing down your prayer request. And now you, you could write down your prayer request, one, so you can kind of keep track as you pray, because I don't know about you, but sometimes as I'm praying, I, even I get distracted you know, thinking about something else maybe that I read or thinking, oh, i got to do this later today. But if you have your prayer request written out, 
you can kind of stay on track with your prayer. You won't get distracted. Um, but another really great way for that is if you keep them written out and you keep those prayer requests, right? Some people do a prayer journal. Some people just have sticky notes that they stick around with their prayer requests. If you're always able to go back and look at the requests that you've, you've brought to God, maybe you look at that and be like, oh, wow, he actually answered that. Maybe we didn't notice because we weren't paying attention, or maybe we didn't notice because he answered it in a way that we weren't expecting him to answer it. So maybe even in our personal prayer life, our time that we spend with God, we're ready to quit. We're ready to just give it up because we're not feeling anything coming back from God. Whatever it is, we might be to that point where we just want to be done, just like Elijah did. But as we see here in, in 1 Kings chapter 19, we see that God still had more for Elijah. In verse 15, he tells him, And the Lord said unto him, Go, return on thy way to the wilderness of Damascus, and when thou comest, anoint Hazel to be king over Syria. And as you go throughout the rest of this chapter, we see that Elijah, he's, he's sent to go anoint Elisha. Um, and so what, what God's doing here is he's saying, listen, there's still more that needs to be done. Okay? But as we read through that chapter, we see that Elijah, he was able to recharge. God allowed him to recharge. It says he was there for, for 40 days and 40 nights in that cave. And it says, you know, we see where the angel woke him up and said, go ahead, eat. Eat what he had there. And he ate and he drank. And he was able to physically recharge. Right? Because again, you think, I don't, has anybody here been running for their life? Like literally running for their life? Somebody's chasing you and trying to kill you? If you have, I mean, that's, that's got to be a great story. So you'll have to share that, that with us sometime. But if we, we probably haven't been there where we've been running for our lives, but that's got to be a pretty exhausting run. Right? I don't like running anyway. You know, there, to me, it's kind of crazy the people that enjoy running. When I was growing up, when I was doing sports, running was always the punishment. Right? You didn't do something right, go run a lap. And then you have the cross-country team. That's what just they, they just do that for fun, right? I lived in a dorm with cross-country guys in college, and there was this one guy, maybe five foot five, all of 100 pounds. He would run 13 miles every day, uh, no matter what the weather was, in the mountains, and just to refuel himself, to replace the calories that he burned off, he would come back and he'd eat a stack of waffles this high with peanut butter and bananas in between. I don't know where he was putting it, but it's because all the energy that he was burning but I'm like, why, why the heck are you running 13 miles every day? Well, I got to be ready for, for the track meet or for the, the cross country meet. So you're running so you can go run more. You're preparing to run to go run more. So I, it never, I don't like the idea of running. I don't, I don't get why people enjoy running. They're like, oh, well, it gives you such a runner's high, you know? Well, go do something else. Play basketball. I, just, just, just get away from, you know, you're, you're kind of crazy. But so this idea that Elijah was running for his life, he's got to be exhausted, right? So God allows him to, to rest and recharge in the, in the cave here under the juniper tree. He allows him to recharge physically um, by providing food and drink for him. But he also, God also recharges him spiritually, right? We see in verse 18 in chapter 19 that God is encouraging Elijah. He says, yet I have left me, I have left me 7,000 in Israel all the knees which have not bowed unto Baal, and every mouth which has, hath not kissed him. So basically he's saying there's still 7,000 people in Israel who haven't you know, dedicated their life to Baal. They haven't bowed down and worshipped him. They haven't uh, you know, given themselves over to Baal. They're still there. We can still win them over. So he's saying, listen, it's not just you. All right. So he, he's also kind of giving Elijah a reality check. Listen, it's not just you. First of all, you saw what I was able to do back on the mountain, but there's also still 7,000 people in Israel that we can still win, that we can still uh, get to, to, to worship the one true God. And so Elijah was able to be recharged both physically and spiritually. And so 
how do we think about, how do we apply this to our lives? Well, we know that Elijah had more to do, right? God said, listen, I want you to go do this. And so right as God's telling him, I want you to go do this, Elijah's like, there's no point. Like, why would I want to go do that? There's like, there's no point in doing this. I'm ready to be done. And then God says, well, hold on a second, because there's still 7,000 people in Israel that haven't bent their knee to Baal. So there, we know that there's more for us to do, right? We know as Christians in general, we're called to take the gospel and share it to everyone, right? Not just certain people just around us. We're supposed to go to the community around us, the world around us, and the entire world, to the ends of the earth. So we're called to take the gospel all the way to the ends of the earth. So I don't know that everybody's heard the gospel, right? We, we, it can't be possible that everybody's been reached yet. So just based on that, we know that there's more for us to do. But maybe in our own personal life, like we were talking about that ministry that we're ready to give up, maybe uh, witnessing this person we're ready to give up. There's still more for us to do. We can still witness more. We can still just maybe as a witness, just continue to live out the love of Christ. Maybe we don't have the words anymore to share. We don't know what else to say to them, but we can continue to encourage them, maybe send them a text message of a verse of encouragement sometime, and again, just continue to show them the love of God and let the Holy Spirit work on their heart. And it's the same thing with the ministry that maybe we're ready to give up. Just continue to understand that God is still working, right? We may not see it on the surface, but that's when we're looking at things through our own eyes and our own standards of success. Um, So... Again, we're called to take the gospel. Uh, we're called to do other things in our own individual lives. We've all been given certain gifts and, and abilities that we're able to uh, serve people for God in other ways. So maybe we need to be recharged, right? We might need to be char- recharged just like Elijah was. Um, we must be spiritually, uh, we must be right spiritually in order to take the gospel to others. So if we're going to be ministering to people in whatever ministry we have, if we're witnessing to somebody, it's, it's not a bad thing to make sure that we're okay first before we do that. We need to be in the right place spiritually to, to be able to, uh, to go and do what God has us to do. Now, that's not to say that if, if I've, you know, messed up and, and, and sinned yesterday, I can't go and, and share the gospel with somebody because God's able to use us no matter what, right? But it's important as we, like, before we go into that, Maybe we just refocus ourselves real quickly with a quick prayer to God. Say, God, I know I've messed up, but I know that you can still use me. I know that you can still receive glory even through an imperfect person like me. So it's okay for us to understand that spiritually uh, we can take care of ourselves, right? Especially sometimes in ministry, we're so focused on uh, witnessing to these people. We're so focused on pouring into these people, sharing the word with them, where we neglect our own spiritual life. And we begin to fall away from God. And then now we're trying to share this with other people and we're not even living it out. So it's important for us to also remember to take care of ourselves spiritually. Um, And another thing, we need to focus on what God has already done and what he's continuing to do. Elijah, very quickly, he forgot what had happened on the mountain there. When God was able to bring fire down onto the completely drenched altar and everyone that was there fell to their faces and worshiped God. He so quickly forgot what God had done and was so focused on the fact that Jezebel was trying to kill him that he completely lost focus of everything. And so we need to make sure that we focus on what God has already done and what he's continuing to do. So maybe we need to look at our our own personal life, right? We said that we might come to that hitting a wall in our own personal life ready to give up, our own spiritual life. What has God already done in our lives? Well, first of all, if we've accepted salvation, he's saved us. He's forgiven our sins, right? That's the biggest and greatest thing that he's ever done and could do for us and that we have eternal life through him. So if you need more than that, 
there's going to be more. But that should be all that we need, just reminding ourselves, God saved me from my sin. I no longer have to be a slave to the sin that I was before because of what, God did for, what Jesus did for me on the cross. So think about what God's done in our life. Maybe in that ministry, we saw a couple of cool things happen, right? We saw God working, and we thought, like, maybe Elijah, maybe this is going to be the turning point. Maybe this ministry is about to explode. Well, what do we mean by explode? Do we mean all of a sudden we're going to have 50 more people? Or are we talking about God's idea of success in that ministry, that this one person comes to know him? Right? We know that when, when somebody comes and accepts Jesus as their Savior, that they rejoice in heaven. Right? They don't wait. Well, it was only one person. Right? We don't need to rejoice that much. No. One person was saved from having to spend eternity in hell. And so because of that, they rejoice in heaven. So, again, we need to make sure we're not measuring our ministry, our witnessing in our standard of success. So focus on what God has already done, what he's continuing to do. If we look around and, again, like I said, keeping track of your prayer requests, whatever it might be, if we look around and look at our lives and what God is doing, we're going to see that God is working. The problem is we get in our own ways. We let our, our pride get in our way. We get distracted with the things that are going wrong. Instead of, all right, these are the, thing, the ways that God's working. Instead, we're over here saying, well, this didn't go right. I didn't plan this to happen. This isn't good, right? But God is still doing things. So it's important for us to stay focused on the right thing. So as we go through this story of Elijah, the, he's really on a roller coaster, right? He's, he's, he's at the, the peak of the spiritual high, witnessing what God was able to do on the mountaintop. And then he comes back in the next day, and he's finding out that Jezebel's trying to kill him. And maybe that's how we feel when we come to church, right? We're here, we're surrounded by it, we're fellow Christians, we're worshiping together, we're going into the Word together, and we're super excited. Maybe that's why some of us don't like to leave until, you know, close to 1 o'clock, right? And Ray's having to shut the lights off and, and try and say, you know, nicely nudge people out. Uh, but maybe that's why, because we're just so excited to be here. We just love being filled with the word, uh, being encouraged by our, our brothers and sisters in Christ. And we know that the second we go out the door, we go back to real life, right? I have this and this going on today. I have to do these different things this week. And immediately our focus is taken away from what we just talked about when we were here together uh, in church. And so maybe that's the, the roller coaster that we're on. Maybe it's a weekly thing when we leave the building uh, where... You know, it's, it's harder to focus on God when we're not here surrounded by people encouraging us towards God. So just like when you, know, when you come back from church camp, the revival's over, you get back from the conference, uh, whatever it might be, you know, you get back down to regular life, your regular routine, and you get back into the groove of things, and your focus is completely shifted. So maybe we can find ways in our lives, how do I replicate that, that way of staying focused on God? All right, so going back to the, the camp analogy, when we were there, uh, it wasn't against the rules to have a cell phone there with us because, you know, if there was some kind of emergency, we had to get a hold of somebody. But I can tell you one thing, Pastor John didn't let us mess with our cell phones while we were in the cabin. Or, like, they had to stay in the cabin, and even when we got back to the cabin, you know, mess with you. There's so many other things that you can do, right? So maybe that's something that we can do in our own lives. Maybe our phone is a distraction or, or something that we do is a distraction that we give more attention to that than we do to God. So maybe we need to dial it back a little bit with something in our life that's drawing attention away from, from God and to that. Or maybe there's something that we need to completely wipe out of our life. 
Whatever it is that's, that's drawing our attention away from God, we need to find and focus on what that is so that we can say, okay, God, help me find a better balance so that I can stay more focused on you so that I don't get down and find the slow and find myself where I'm ready to quit and ready to give up. So how do we, how do we apply this all to our lives going forward? Well, it's important to remember that we might experience that spiritual high like Elijah had experienced, and we might come crashing down shortly after. Okay, it's important that we first recognize that we're not the first person ex- to experience this, right? We just looked and saw Elijah experiencing this very thing. What happened with Elijah on the mountain where fire literally came down from heaven and ignited this completely soaked altar? I don't think that's something that any of us have seen. And if we were to see that, like, I, I don't know how anybody could have been there and not been convinced that God was real. So Elijah was in something like that. Every one of us have probably been in a point where we felt that spiritual low after a spiritual high, and we felt like, what's the point of going forward with any of this? Okay, so it's important for us to remember that we're not the first to experience that because then we can reach out to somebody else and say, hey, can you pray for me? Or, hey, uh, I need some encouragement because that's what we're supposed to do, right? We're supposed to be able to build each other up, edify each other, point each other towards Christ so that when we're in that position and we're down and we're in that spiritual low, others will come around us and lift us up. So uh, Elijah did many great things for God, right? He's, he's one of the, the greatest people that we probably read about in the Bible, right? We, we think about Paul, Elijah, Moses, all these different these people that God used in the Bible for amazing things, and even these people found themselves in this kind of situation. We must also acknowledge that it is okay to take care of ourselves to make sure we're in the right place spiritually, okay? If we have a chance to, to make sure that we are spiritually where we need to be, it's okay to do that. Sometimes when we're in ministry, we're, we, we know God wants us to witness to this person. We're so involved in that, and it's great to be so dedicated to doing that. But when it starts to hurt our own life spiritually because we're not taking care of ourselves, we're probably doing more harm than good because we're kind of getting in the way. If we're close to God spiritually, we're right in track with where he wants us to be right now, and we're, we're never going to be perfect. Right? We know that we're never going to be perfect while we're here on this earth. But if we're doing things and living the way that we need to be, then God is really just using us instead of us trying to say, well, th- I know that this is what God wants for you. I know that, that this is what the gospel says. But then when maybe they have follow-up questions, you know, we're so disconnected from God, we don't know where to go next. So it's important to make sure that we uh, take care of ourselves spiritually as well and we don't just completely focus on those around us. Again, it is important to, to help and encourage those around us, um, but not at the expense, of, the expense of neglecting our own spiritual life. Um, so we also need to be able to see the things that God sees, uh, the way that God sees them, so that we can stay encouraged to continue the great work that God wants to do through us. So again, stop looking at things through our own eyes, through our own standard of success, at the ministries that we have, the witnessing that we're doing, our own spiritual life, Look at it the way that God sees it, okay? Elijah, he said, all these horrible things are happening, God. And God says, hold on a second. There's still 7,000 people in Israel that, that need to hear me, okay? Uh, last week, the, the song that was played for invitation was God of the City. And in that song, it says, greater things are still to be done in this city. God still wants to do amazing things in the world around us. He still wants to do amazing things through us. He wants to use us for those amazing things. You know, Renee referenced how things are really completely crazy in the world around us. And if we're focused on all those crazy things, we'll find ourselves immediately, you know, feeling completely at a loss, 
have no idea what to do next, you know, maybe depressed, whatever it is. But if we start looking and seeing all these opportunities to serve God because of these things going on and being able to use crazy situations uh, to point others towards Christ, now we're starting to look through God's eyes and we should be able to understand that he is still doing things. He's still using people and he's still reaching people. Ultimately, we must remember that the best way for us to get back on track, like if we find ourselves feeling low or drained after a spiritual high, is to simply spend some time in the presence of God. We know that he is in control. He has done great things through us, and he will continue to do great things through us. So sometimes we need to just simplify things. Elijah was just sitting under the juniper tree. He was just sitting in a cave for 40 days and 40 nights. He was away from everything, every kind of distraction that there could have been. And it was just him and God there. We read through uh, chapter 19, and we read about that still small voice where God, it was just him and God. Okay? So maybe that's what we need to do, just to get every distraction out of our way and maybe even just 10, 15 minutes, just spend some time in the presence of God. That could be in prayer, that could be reading, that could be singing, uh, worship songs, whatever it is. We need to just recenter, refocus by spending some time in the presence of God. And with that in mind, I want to finish up today by reading through uh, Psalm chapter 46. So if you want to go ahead and turn there with me, uh, it's 11 verses, so it's not all that long. But Psalm chapter 46, okay? It says there, God is our refuge and strength a very present help in trouble. That right there, right? There's been plenty of times in our lives when we feel like God isn't there. He's not listening to us. uh, We're not reaching him. But it says that he's a very present help in trouble. Therefore, will not we fear, though the earth be removed and though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea, though the waters thereof roar and be troubled, though the mountains shake with the swelling thereof, Selah. There is a river, the streams whereof shall make glad the city of God, the holy place of the tabernacles of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God shall help her, and that right early. The heathen raged, and kingdoms were moved. He uttered his voice, the earth melted. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge, Selah. Come, behold the works of the Lord, that what desolations he he hath made in the earth. He maketh wars to cease unto the end of the earth. He breaketh the bow and cutteth the spear in sunder. He burneth the chariot in the fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the heathen. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Selah. So as we read through that chapter, you know, maybe we find ourselves like Elijah did, where he was just exhausted. He was ready to quit. He was ready to give up. Um, maybe we find ourselves discouraged because of things that are happening around us. You know, maybe, again, maybe we're, we're doing well in our spiritual life, spending time in the Word and in prayer, but crazy things are going on around us, and it's getting harder and harder to avoid the distraction and to, to keep that from pulling us away from what God has for us. So maybe we find ourselves like Elijah did. Um, or if you don't fit in one of those categories, this chapter that we just read through is still just a great reminder of the God that we serve. He's a very present help in trouble. Verses 2 and 3, it says, Therefore will not we fear, though the earth be removed, and though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea, though the waters thereof roar and be troubled, though the mountains shake with the swelling thereof. God is still there. God is still our refuge and our strength. And it says in verse 10, Be still and know that I'm God. 
Like we were talking before, if we put all of our faith and our trust in the finances that we have or the relationships that we have with people and those things end up going away, maybe that person, you know, hurts us and, and, and they leave. Uh, or maybe if that person passes away, whatever it might be, if all of our, you know, our foundation of our life, we put everything that we have into that, those finances, those relationships, those friendships, whatever it is, if that's taken away, our foundation crumbles and we have nothing to stand on. But here it says no matter what happens, God is there. He is still our strength and he is our refuge. So no matter what goes on around us, literally everything else in the world can be taken from us. All those things, our finances, relationships, friendships, our job, whatever it is can be taken from us and we still have everything we need because we have God. And he is our strength. He is our ever-present help in trouble. So as we, as we wrap up this morning, as we close, I want us to maybe take a time to look at ourselves, look at our own lives. How, can I, how am I relating to Elijah? Okay, And maybe, maybe we're not in that low part. Maybe we're at the high point, right? We're on that spiritual high, and, and everything seems to be going great. That's awesome. We can take what we're experiencing right now in our lives, and we can use that to encourage those around us. Because there's a good chance that there's somebody around us who is feeling discouraged, who is feeling like they want to give up. They're to that point of there's no point in moving forward in this. Nothing's happening. If we're on that spiritual high, we can encourage them and, and try and show them how God sees these things. Look, this is what God's doing in this ministry. God's making a difference in this person's heart. He's working on their heart. He's using you. Don't give up, okay? So if we're finding ourselves at that high, let's be an encouragement to those around us. But if we find ourselves in that low, let's look at what Elijah experienced how he was able to spend time really just him and God. He had some time to recharge. Maybe we need to get rid of the distractions around us and simply just focus on God. Take just some time to be in the presence of God. Verse 10 in Psalm 46, be still and know that I am God. If we would just take a break, be still, and just spend some time in the presence of God, knowing who he is, what he's already done in our lives, what he's continuing to do, and what he will do in the future. I, I know that we'll be able to get back on track to where we need to be. Uh, Elijah, as we read through that story, he had that time to recharge. God encouraged him, said there's still 7,000 people. And Elijah, he went up and he went, right? And there's not that much time that seemingly passes between God telling him that th this is still going on in Israel, and he went. This is a guy who just shortly before was ready to give up everything, ready to, told God, just take me, I'm ready to be done. But then shortly after, he was able to recharge. God encouraged him. He was able to see things through God's eyes, and he was ready to get up and go again. So let's look in our lives, find ways that we can recenter and refocus on God, find ways that we can encourage others, look at things through God's eyes so that we can get up and go do what more is still left to be done. All right, let's go ahead and pray this morning. Uh, and uh, when we're done praying, we're going to have a short time of in invitation. So if you want to come forward, uh, maybe, maybe you know something in your life already. Uh, that, that you need to maybe take out of your life or dial back a little bit um, so that you can spend more time focused on God. Maybe you already know what that is and you want to come to the altar and give that to him. Or maybe you just want to come to God and say, God, reveal to me what it is in my life that's distracting me from you. So let's go ahead and pray. Dear God, I thank you again for this morning. I thank you for uh, the encouragement that we're able to see in the life of Elijah. And I pray that no matter where we find ourselves, whether we're at that spiritual high uh, whether we're at the low and we're ready to give up, that we can look to this story 
uh, find encouragement that we can just look to you and spend some time with you alone. Understand that you are God and, and that you're ultimately in control, that you're still doing a great work in the world around us and that we can be a part of that, that you can use us no matter where we are. And so I just pray that we would be able to do that. I pray that if, if we find ourselves, if, if we feel that we're in that spiritual high, that we would uh, find ways to encourage those around us, point others to you. Uh, and again, if, if we're in that low, I pray that we wouldn't be uh, too embarrassed to go ask someone for encouragement, ask somebody for help, and, and ask somebody to just, just pray. Say that maybe I, I'm, I'm struggling right now, I just need your prayers. Um, so I just pray that wherever we find ourselves in, in any of these situations, that we would just look to you, no matter what it is. Just allow you to reveal to us what it is that you want us to take this passage, this story of Elijah, and take it and apply it to our lives as we leave here. So I pray that you be with us throughout this morning. Pray that you be with us throughout this day and bless this time of invitation. Pray everything in Jesus' name. Amen.